and welcome to G220 Radio. My name is Mike, and with me today is the one, the only, the original Natty P. How are you doing? So, Mike, I'm excited to uh, be quiet and listen. A little off to by yourself. Yeah, I'm going to go off to a silent place during this. Honestly, I'm excited to learn about solitude and silence because every time that I've ever, that I was first probably exposed to it through this Quaker book that I read in a book study group once. And uh, the whole Quaker, Quakers are exceedingly mystical. And so the whole thing was presented to me in a mystical way. So I'm excited to learn if uh, it's less mystical than I originally thought. Yeah, I think, I think you will see that it is less mystical. So this is episode number 468, and we're going to be talking about silence and solitude plus journaling. We're kind of smashing a couple different spiritual disciplines kind of in this first series. We started in the first Tuesday of 2021 talking about reading your Bible better how to, what you should be doing in regards to that. Uh, the second week that Daniel joined us on that show, we talked about prayer and looked at the importance of kind of prayer and why we should engage in the discipline of prayer. Last week, we talked about fasting and how to be, to fast better requires some prayer and Bible reading and that it's different than uh, any other fastings that you may do for health reasons and whatnot, that fasting is for the purpose of godliness. It's kind of what we want to do. And that all of this is intentional. It's being intentional. You have to do this. And so we've come to week four so if you want to get those others, you can go to our YouTube or on Podbean. On YouTube, we have a playlist so you can watch them all. Binge watch spiritual disciplines. Because here at G220, we want you to have your best life now, spiritually speaking. And physically, knowing that all good blessings come from Christ and we have something to look forward to. So, so we're going to start out by talking about silence and solitude. And um, it is what it is. There's not much as a way. So if we wanted to, to take this, how we're going to kind of talk about it. And again, this comes from um, a book we've been kind of using, Dr. Whitney's, Dr. Donald Whitney spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. This is the old version. He has an expanded version um, from Nav Press. And so he defines um, kind of the discipline of silence is the voluntary and temporary absence from speaking so that certain spiritual goals may be sought. And kind of with that idea is this not necessary verbal and what we're hearing, but we're moving things into a inner dialogue that you're stopping kind of distractions that you may hear. So I don't know, Nathaniel, if you're like me, but when you're in school and studying, did you listen to a lot of music? Mm-hmm. No, no, Kinda I didn't. Quiet. I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, I like to quiet so I could focus. So, and that's, so, I mean, I did, I did not. I actually listened to a lot of music, most of it classical. I do enjoy classical uh, music, as um, was probably going out of favor. Um, but that idea of silence, so you, so you've, you know, you didn't listen to music so you could focus. Right. And 
that's what kind of the point is for the idea of the discipline of silence. It's that idea of not talking, not listening to things, whether it's music or other people getting to a place that is quiet, a place that you can be alone and engage in certain spiritual goals, which could be as simple as I just need to do my morning devotions to pray and to read. Or it may be more time of meditation. And so when we think about kind of that, I mean, do you have biblical examples? Can you think of off your head where we kind of see this idea of silence? Yeah. Uh, Many times Jesus would uh, go off to a solitary place to pray. Uh, It's like all kinds of examples. Uh, There's uh, a psalm even that says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. Uh, There's the other psalm that says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathens or the nations, depending on how old the translation you use is. Uh, so yeah, that that's uh, Moses went up the mountain by himself uh, to which where God met him uh, yeah. in the cloud and everything. So I guess, uh, so, so, so it seems like so far um, just backtracking for a second, even with the definition is not so so whenever i was first maybe maybe before the quakers a couple years before the quaker book exopade um it was uh i was introduced by it by this like contemplative silence someone had talked about where you're just supposed to sit there and not even like think thoughts and so i from the definition which you gave at the beginning of this show it's not like a complete silence even in your head it's like auditory stimuli and speaking that you're shutting out, not necessarily thoughts or even prayer prayings. Yeah. So that's um, a good point. It is not just a um, stop thinking, which you can't do. Right. I mean, you know, kind of how it is, but is it's designed to, and kind of as you do it is to, Focus on what you're doing. Um, Calvin makes a big point about this in prayer, about when you pray, you need to be focused. We shouldn't be letting our minds wander. Right. And, you know, there was times I'm studying or I'm reading my Bible, even for devotions in like a coffee shop setting where I'm distracted. I'm I'm listening to other people and I have to kind of keep – um, focusing. So this idea of silence um, is kind of the idea that you're not having, you're not talking to people in, in a one sense and that you're kind of focusing on what you're doing. You're having the inner dialogue as you meditate or as you're praying, you're maybe reading the Bible slowly to yourself Um which may even be, be audible, you know, in a sense, but it's that having that quiet um, area to do and to think to a term, you know, to, as this as certain spiritual goals and kind of, right. as we've said, it's intentional. So I'm going to set aside, I'm going to try to find a quiet place and it could be like, even in a park, like it doesn't have to be like dead silence. Right but it should be a place in which you can focus on talking to yourself, talking to the Lord and to be in a, a better um, place. And this could be, and he gives examples and kind of how to cultivate some of this is in your car. When you're in your car by yourself, shutting off the radio and taking that time to maybe think about a verse you're memorizing or to 
um, prey and you know, you're doing it like at a stoplight where you're not, where you can kind of, in a sense, get disengage a little bit and maybe get honked at to tell you to go. So is that, and I don't, I haven't heard much from the contemporary prayer. It's been several years. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know that much about that whole thing. But uh, I know that <clears throat> I was just perusing the Quaker book a, a, a little bit ago, just trying to see if it would give me any food for thought. And then I just got utterly frustrated with the whole thing. And um, one of the things it said something about like being able to hear the gentle whisper of God, which maybe that's something we can talk about. Maybe there's a, a right understanding of that. But uh, it was all, the, it was almost, it's almost like, like these people that talk about hearing from God and like this, the whole, the whole thing seemed a little bit like you're grasping for some sort of a Gnostic experience where uh. God, you know, it reminded me of uh, the introduction to the, the book, which G220 does neither recommends nor endorses uh, Jesus calling where she, uh, the, the woman, I can't even remember her name, uh, who wrote it, says, I was searching through the Bible, but I was yearning for more. Yeah. That kind of a thing when, is the way that I've always heard, or not always, but the few times I've heard it talked about in certain circles. It was like a weird experience of the gentle whisper that you just have to listen and be still and not think and just strange but um having that in our mind where we're trying to focus it's like it reminds me of when i'm at work trying to get a physical goal done like there's times whenever i'm uh i'm doing drywall like sanding drywall or or i'm painting that's a good time where i can just throw the headphones on have my mind somewhere else because the task at hand really isn't that mentally uh, uh stimulating or require much attention but whenever i'm uh framing something in or I have to think about the measurements or, or the cuts that I have to make, I have to focus on the physical task at hand. So I need some measure of, of silence as it were. And that's almost seems to be what we're talking about here where I have a, a thing that I need to accomplish that I need to focus on, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's prayer or even like contemplating on something from the scriptures that, um, I need to be, have an intense, more intense focus, even in a similar fashion as a physical goal. Yeah. And, and then that's kind of the importance. Like this isn't some outer body experience. I think you can have a genuine kind of encounter with the Lord, maybe even a, a spiritual setting, but you're not trying to receive, you know, prophecies. Yeah. But it's a time for you to to think and to meditate and to to go. I mean, you um, and maybe what they're getting from kind of when you say the small voice is, you know, Elijah is yeah. on um, Mount Horeb, which is also um, the same mountain Moses was on. Right. Same. Quote. And, you know. God comes with him in the same way God came to Moses with lightning and fire and wind and, and displaying his power. And then God wasn't found in those things. Right. He was found in the small whisper. I think when we, we think about those in that way is, you know, obviously God is trying to make a point with Elijah in the passage i think pointedly that um um trying to teach elijah that he's not the only one um and that god is is a merciful god but when we we think about kind of what we're doing when we kind of start this not talking and to really center our inner dialogue there, there could be a very 
real experience of the spirit and not to um, neglect that. And I think, you know, with that, when you combine um, solitude and we'll define that later, you kind of get people who will say, well, I can experience God on a boat fishing. So why do I need to go to, you know, church? And hopefully what you'll get out of this is like, yes, you can, you can experience God fishing, thinking about his word, praying while you're waiting for the fish to bite. But that does not neglect the importance of the local church. Right. In fact, you need both. It's not one or the other. It's both. And I think, when we think about the silence that fishing offers to a lot of people, you're just kind of out there in the middle of a boat in nature and the solitude, which is kind of withdrawn to privacy for the purpose for a spiritual purpose. So the voluntary and temporary withdrawal to privacy, this can become a great time of spiritual experience and having the spirit work through it and so like these disciplines are not by themselves they are disciplines that help facilitate the other disciplines that we've already talked about right you know taking that time instead of eating to withdraw privately to pray because you're fasting Right. Or to use that time silence and the time of silence to work on memory verses. So you're hiding God's word in your heart. These it's not the contemporary Eastern mysticism of trying not to think thoughts. It's being that intentional about thinking about or praying to God. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot a lot more sense. Like, um, what? Just uh, uh, yeah. Like uh, the. It seems like in order to have silence, unless you're doing a group silence session, which I'm sure is a fine thing you could probably do, but it also would be paired with solitude, which is why you've paired it for the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Like. Uh, some of my greatest times of spiritual growth. I mean, I do get a lot out of uh, our catechism study that I do with some fellows on, on Monday nights. I get a lot out of going to church and worshiping with the saints, obviously, because that's one of the ordinary means of grace. But um, another thing is when I come home after work and I get the chance to sit by myself and read my Psalm and meditate on it and then go to God in prayer. Um, Obviously, I, I like to pray out loud, so it's just not complete silence once I get to prayer. But during the the uh, um, the psalm meditation and everything, it's like a, a focused solitude and silence that I can't do as well in a group setting. So I, I like how you said it, it pairs them all, all together. Um and they build build off one another because that's what I find is that whenever I engage in the silent solitude that I actually do do these things, not calling it that um, because I didn't know that's how it was defined, but um, that's a very enriching experience that I notice um, in my day-to-day routine is being able to put my phone aside, put the social media, whatever other distracting influences aside, and then just sit there and meditate. And even we've got journal journaling thrown on this episode too. So uh, having the, the journaling on the Psalm with it um, is, is all very enriching. Uh, like, like you're saying. Yeah. And one thing Dr. Whitney notes when he talks about it is that sol- silence and solitude is complementary complementary to fellowship. So when we fellowship with others, we talk to each other about God. 
Right. We, we strengthen each other. We may challenge each other. We build each other up in faith and good works and how that may play out in the church. On the other side, then silence and solitude has me fellowshipping with God by myself. So there's a sense in which we can fellowship together about with God and worship and with each other when we meet together. Right. But then the other side of it is I need also that time for me to talk to God. Right. To be with it. And I think when we, we think about this discipline, we should be, I mean, it kind of puts it in part that we should probably take this a little bit. We should take this seriously. Like we take church seriously. So the person who says, well, I can experience God on a boat fishing is taking this part seriously and that's good. But when he says, I don't need to go to church, he's neglecting the other part that should also be taken seriously. Right. Um, yeah. And one of the good things the Quaker did was um, split up the disciplines kind of to, to between private disciplines and corporate disciplines if I, as I was looking through the table of contents, remembering that. Um, and this would be one of those, these segment that we've sectored off for this show and some of the past would be like the private discipline, whereas coming together to fellowship and all that would be and prayed corporately and all that would be corporate di- disciplines. Um, but like I, I, me and Ricky were talking on the phone the other week, whenever it was, I was expressing some of my exasperations with, being swamped at work and and not being able to get to all my prayer and my studying and stuff. And, and, and one of the things he, he had brought up was um, talking about how those things, those solitary disciplines or, or private disciplines, like, like we're talking about now, it's like in, in, in our solitary communion with God, it, it fills us up so that when we go to fellowship with the saints and engage in the corporate disciplines, we have something to overflow out of. Mobile and work and want to give out and put out for the saints. If we haven't filled up, we really haven't got anything to offer, offer the saints to give to them because nothing, we haven't opened ourselves up before God to receive from him to have something to give out, I guess would be, be, be a way of saying it. Yeah. And it's on your own expression, you know, faith. Do you just do it publicly or are you one who has the integrity to do it also in private when no one is watching, but God. Right. And we see that in the three disciplines, Jesus talks about in the sermon on the Mount, it is the one who does it in private that is rewarded. Right. And to to think, okay, so how do I do that? And we'll we'll get to that in here in a little bit. Cause in our age, it's probably even harder in a sense. Um with cars and radios and cell phones to have kind of that. Um, privateness. Right. Um, yeah, I think about uh, somebody like David Brainerd who'd go go for walks in the woods and uh, you know to 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 meditate and stuff. And uh, even uh, Jonathan Edwards would go out riding or walking you know, with his little pieces of paper that he'd strap on for notes and everything. But um, we don't have that in our culture because whenever i i go to run every day but i drive over to the treadmill at the gym to run on the treadmill while listening to headphones um so it's not this quite the same like uh when i drive to work i drive to work with the radio on or something to have food in my mind to think about and so it's not the same as walking to wherever you're going and having all that time to meditate and think like in the days of old. So you have to be much more intentional. And then also we've got our, our, our devices, which 
for all their glory and all their goodness that they bring to us and the capabilities of expanding ministry opportunities and whatever. Um, they also cut off that ability to be silenced because someone just uh, pinged your phone with an <laughs> alert. Oh, so-and-so has responded to your comment. Now you got to respond back and, and, and you're really disengaging in conversation nonstop um, without any break from it, so to speak. Yeah, I recommended a book or I did uh, the last show by myself called um, I don't remember. I think it's Do Hard Things. Nope. I remember. But uh, part of his argument in the book is because social media has transformed us and our ability to engage in a topic. Our attention spans are so short. Right. That, I mean, when we think about even having setting aside 30 minutes to read our Bibles, it feels daunting with the constant, as you said, notifications, the emails popping up, text messaging, Facebook requests, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever. There's um, to think to stop and to think deeply about a subject makes it hard. Ricky and I were talking after show last week and he was talking to George and George has been off uh, Facebook now for about a month and a half. And he's starting to see his intention span to grow. I think that should be, we should consider that, that even more so it's hard to, to focus and, and some sort of silence because there's always noise and you know, it, it can kind of be eerie yeah. with complete silence. And so, but this is a, a good practice for us and to maybe even consider, you know, putting your phone in a different room, if that's the distraction it's because that part of this the solitude aspect is being by yourself, being withdrawal to privacy, and to to think about okay during this time, I'm going to focus on what I'm doing, and it's going to take some time in our culture. I mean, I feel it. I get bored in movies that are more than like sixty minutes. And so, you know, I'm, it's not that I'm like holier than thou and this is easy. This is not easy no. for me um, with him. And, you know, like you said, we have examples of Jesus, um, Matthew 4, 11, when he goes into the desert, um, Mark 135, again, same story. Also, and Luke, um, 442 before he crosses i think the first time in the gospel of matthew he withdraws himself into a hill to pray before he crosses the red sea and walks on water so we see this even in the example of our lord of getting away to be by yourself for and in his case the communion uh with the father right Right, yeah, they, there was one uh, one place where he uh, had had a lot of uh, strenuous day at work, and then he gets, uh, you know, doing miracles and and ministry. Obviously, is, was his trade for those uh, three years, and he had a strenuous day the day before, and the next day he gets up early, way before everybody else gets up, so that he could go out and get his praying done. Um, in his communion, he goes off and finds a solitary place. So, yeah, I mean, you think about Jesus. Jesus didn't have it much better than than we have it. I mean, he was tempted in much the same way we are. We we don't have we have followers now on Twitter instead of actual followers following us around. But he was uh, bombarded by uh, miracle seekers and uh, 
even even true disciples uh nonstop. So he had to sneak off by himself and find some place uh by himself. So he he had the same he was tempted in a similar fashion as us, yet without sin, because he 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 found a way to do it. Um and so to follow his example of even when we're worn out, uh and uh to come come to God in in get that in because then it's renewing us spiritually for the arduous things. Yeah. And I mean, we could say probably the same thing with Paul. He goes to Aruba for some time. Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. That would be the place it's in um, ancient Greek. That's what they, they called it. And, uh, so we have examples of Paul. Um, we cited First Kings uh, nineteen eleven through thirteen. That's the story of Elijah on the the mountaintop. And we also see um, in Habakkuk a little, you know, major or not major. It's a well known, lesser known of the minor prophets. If I can remember where it's at. Right after Nahum. Um, so Habakkuk um, chapter 2 verse 20. He goes, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all on the earth keep silence, silence before him. So we see here kind of silence is worship now it's a god-focused silence it's seeing him it's understanding him and in a sense this is kind of um in this language a little bit of his judgment but when we um think kind of look at that and that you know, there, there's a sense in which we're, the Lord is in his temple and let all keep silence before him. There's this reverence with him in coming. You, um, I mean, there's that sense when someone walks in you, um, and having that, and especially one who, deserves the adoration in which their position is allotted. Um, Zephaniah um, chapter one, verse seven also says, be silenced before the Lord for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and has consecrated his guest. Again, this idea of silence before the Lord with, with the reverence. And so we see here that the Bible kind of commends um silence um you know silence can express faith these are some more points dr whitney has um seek salvation from the lord um he uses lamentations um to be physically and spiritually uh restored i mean even jesus he goes away his ministry wasn't done and then he left like he needed to be restored even within the ministry, he didn't go three straight years, but we see a pattern that he goes. And so, and so we, we think and, and go through this, the Bible, you know, has us to think about being silenced, having this godly focus of quietness to, to still our hearts, to, to help us and to, to bring this focus in on God through worship, through prayer, and to be ready to hear God speak through his spirit in our lives. Right. So, and some ways to do it. So kind of some of his practical applications. 
um, having like minute retreats throughout the day, like turning the radio off in the car at a stoplight, using that time, um, setting a goal to have time each day for silence and solitude with the Lord, kind of being intentional so you can do that. Um, maybe even at certain times he goes as far as to say, uh, find special places, go take like a day, take half a day and go out and do these things. You don't have to do them like all the time, maybe a couple times a year, maybe once a right. year, but take time to have, a way to find silence and solitude for longer period of times for it and to be able to do it and not neglect your duty. So you may have to arrange daily responsibilities, maybe with your, your married with a significant other um, in order that you both can engage in this and the kids not, you know, blow up the house. It's a very real thing with a five and a two-year-old. And so to, to think, because I think, again, the, our culture pushes against kind of the quietness. It's always busy. There's always something due. It's the, the news cycle is quick. Social media, our, our world is full of distractions. So silence and sol solitude help us to push the distractions away and develop better focus for our spiritual growth in the Lord, which would also help us to be better focused in the church. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that was good. And uh, I don't know. I think even, just thinking about, I don't have a wife, but um, there, there might be a, some value in even seeing as you practice these things, uh, those with wives or even, I don't know, if any wives are listening to, for their husbands to create opportunities where for your spouse or maybe you're, um, maybe you're a single person like me, find a way to go take care of somebody else's responsibility so they can um, practice the discipline um, of solitude and silence. Because I, like, like you met, had mentioned, uh, trying to find time for, for a mom, like a mom who's, a, who's actually, you know, gets, gets to be a mom and she's home with the children all day. Then the husband comes home and she's putting dinner together, which is a monumental bunches of, chores and stuff um and, and it's a very strenu strenuous job we don't get a lot of time to yourself um and so being able as a husband or as a, a friend or neighbor uh to come over to that person who's got these kinds of things and give them an opportunity to sneak away by 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 um themselves and, and engage in solitude and silence is even a a good thing that we could practice is um, giving each other opportunities for, for such things. Like I have a friend uh, who uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention that he hosts the patriarchy podcast because um, he's a shameless self promoter, but I was uh, speaking with him and he talked to, talked about how he, he gives his wife a night a week to go off and do her thing so that, she gets her, her, her time to be able to do that kind of things. Um, it, it, in the same way that I kind of just mentioned, you know, like um, she's got to be with the kids all day and everything and doesn't have a lot of time for, for personal time. Um, so given his wife a, a night a week to go and pursue that. Um, so, so I guess the whole, whole application whole point is being able to, uh, bury one another's burdens so that there are times when we are able to do that. And the people who ordinarily wouldn't be able to even find the time to engage in such things could go then have, have their time to do that. 
Yeah. I think it's, you know, important to think about that and to help one another in those ways as, and that, and what makes silence and solitude really nice is when you bring it along with journaling, um, here, Dr. Whitney says that that becomes a fascinating appeal because it blends biblical doctrine and daily living like a confluence of two great rivers into one. And as kind of shaky uh, segue into journaling, when we think about science and solitude, and having that ability to kind of think through these things, journaling, again, kind of with everything else, helps us to maintain that focus. Um, journaling allows us to write um, our prayers or prayer requests, to write what we're thinking about, to maybe write things that God has been doing in your life. There, there's a, a sense in which the journal can be chronically what you're thinking about in the Lord, even in uh, times like we are, how you thinking and prayers towards the new president or um, just how, Maybe God has blessed you in the last year in such a difficult time. And that, but then also to sit there and it's like, man, these, you know, I'm reading this verse and this is, I mean, God is showing me my sin or God is showing me something about him. I've never thought about before as the spirit moves our spirit to think about I think, you know, putting it, putting these th kind of three together um, really kind of, you know, helps facilitate just a deeper spiritual life. You think the the retention to think about what I've been praying for, to see just even looking back through if you keep a journal the heritage of what prayers that you've asked for and God has answered and to, to see how you've grown from this point in your life to this point over here. It's never a straight line, but journaling allows us to see all these intentional times that we've taken with the Lord and to help us to see God's work in our life. And this is one thing I pretty much don't do anymore. Um, kind of a lot of it at a time, not being intentional, but just to, I mean, I'm getting convicted in my own words about how much I don't think about how God has helped me or even have a record in which I can think about these things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really good. Um, there's uh, times in my life that I've journaled. Um, like I, I have the journaling Psalter that I use for, for my prayers that I use to help meditate on, on the Bible, which is good. I rarely go back and read the stuff that I wrote last year when I was hitting through the same Psalms, but sometimes I do. And it's pretty uh, fascinating. Like uh, the other month I was uh, going through it and I was came to a Psalm. I forget which one it was. And I read what I had written last year and I had to make another note. I don't think I agree with this point anymore and explain that. So that was kind of a neat, neat experience. So I, I do journal a little bit that way routinely, but um, 
there's been other times in the past when I'd actually chronicle my daily events. And um, a lot of times uh, as I've tried to get back into it, I'll try to get back into it as something bad happened. And so the past several entries in my journal are all like, Oh, I fell off the spiritual wagon again or something, you know, and, and then I have a hard time keeping it up. Um, But like, I think it's, it it, it, it does uh, several things for me. It it, um, chronicles your, your events and allows you to go back and have that memory, like you were saying, but also um, it's a good way of starting to learn how to think, uh, coherent thoughts that go together from the beginning of a a journal entry to the end of the journal entry. So you practice the focused thinking uh, as it gets from your mind to your hand, to your pencil, to your page, Um, that coherent, cohesive thinking and practicing forming a, a, a coherent thought from beginning to end where instead of always saying and thinking the next thing that comes into your mind, rather being able to form arguments, form thoughts and build meditations, uh, even to the Lord. So if you're journaling about, as I said, like the Psalms, like I do, or, or you could expand it to anything you journal about the, you don't have to have a journaling Psalter or journaling Bible. You can actually get a separate journal to use your normal Bible. But as you're writing down ideas that you have about the Bible, or things that God's shown you, like there, there's times like uh, God showed me something interesting in in Judges the other day about Samson, where he killed um, more in his death than he had in his life. And it brought to mind how when Jesus died, he conquered more demons in his death because he conquered, crushed the serpent's head in his death than he had ever cast out in his life. He did insane amount of miracles in his death as the graves burst forth um, in his death and the dead people just came back to life and rose from the dead. Um, And just thinking about how Samson in that small little thing, he killed more in his death than ever in his life related to bring my mind to Christ. And were I a journaling person, I could write that down and then go back later and memorialize that. And also I would have formed that cohesive meditation on paper from mind to to page in such a way that I've already practiced being able to pray about it. I've already practiced being able to share it with somebody else. And now it's on a page so that if I six months from now, forget that meditation, then I'm flipping back through my journal and I see, Oh, judges 16. And I, oh, wow, that was really cool that God had showed me that if I'm at a low point when I'm thinking he doesn't show me things out of the Bible, then I go back and, oh, wait, yeah, he did show me this and he'll probably show me again, you know, so it tracks God's faithfulness, like you said, as well. Um, I don't know. I I talked a lot, so I'll turn it back over and you can uh, comment on my comments. Yeah, I think when you think about journaling, kind of all the things that you said hit it so it helps us to self-evaluate self-understand um dr whitney has a quote from joshua pratt from a 1803 meeting of the eclectic society which he says the practice of keeping a diary would promote vigilance he ends the quote by saying now a diary would tend have would have the tendency to raise the standard to such people by exciting um villagent ah vigilance so that when we think about journaling we evaluate our life we can see where we're not maybe as faithful in our prayer life or not as faithful in the fellowship and to, or even maybe sins in our own life that is preventing such activities. Um, you know, it helps meditation as you, if you said, or, or express thoughts 
and feelings to the Lord to kind of, to put that down. I don't know exactly what I'm thinking, but I can, I can write it. I mean, the Psalms, Dr. Whitney uh, says, is an example of David's own life trials. How many Psalms come out of David in a certain life point in his life, whether he's being hunted down by Saul or praising God for his great work or even in his own sin that we see it. And what makes journaling you know, even fascinating and to helpful is for future generations. We know what John Wesley did pretty much every day of his life because he time-stamped his life. He had made a, a metadata before metadata was such a thing. <laughs> um, he has books upon books about what had happened to him, what he was doing at different times of his day. Not saying you have to go that extreme. And some of it was so that he doesn't waste his time, which is another thing, another discipline that we could probably talk about. But that's, you know, having that to write down, to, to soak in, to think about, but then also to give to future generations. You're either your own trans your own children your own generations or even those who you've had impact on that they can see your own devotion that this wasn't just a public face but something that was very private and personal and i mean the valley of visions the prayer book the puritan prayer books Puritans regularly made a habit to write their prayers down. Um, Sinclair Ferguson just released an edited edition of Puritan prayers. Th there's a, you know, writing these things down, putting the thoughts into order and, and to be kind of intentional to write about personal experiences and try to um, work through that with God's word or taking God's word and applying it to situations that you're going through and having that record helps. It, it helps. And as Peter says, he writes them again to remind them because we're humans and we forget and we need to be reminded of God's grace, not in our, in our lives, but in other people's lives. And keeping a journal and having that record helps us to, to keep it, to maybe even remember a sermon that was preached three weeks ago and, and your thoughts through it as you applied the word to your heart. Um, journals, kind of as it is, it brings biblical doctrine and life application into one with our prayers and provides us a place to see how God works in us by his son and through his spirit. Right. And uh, I think what do you, what, what's some of your advice, Mike, as, as uh, we've just listened to our series on, Spiritual disciplines. What are what's some of your advice on um, how how we would get started? Um, because it all sounds really grand, and I'd love to have the metadata that John Wesley had, so that I so, so that my great grandson can know all the mistakes that I made, so he'll learn from them, and all the successes that I had, so he can glorify God that he comes from a faithful lineage. How do I get started? Just do it. And it doesn't have to be the best right away. You can work things up. Now, 
you have the the balance of making sure you do it for the purpose of godliness. Right. But as we've said in uh, the Bible reading in the first episode and fasting last episode and even prayer, like if, if you stumble, there's grace there right? to start again. Don't see these as a burden. Don't, we can have examples like John Wesley. And, and sometimes we try to like, I want to be like him. Don't John Wesley is John Wesley. Okay. Charles Spurgeon is Charles Spurgeon's. We can learn from them. We can aspire to be them, but they didn't do what they did from day one. That's practice. It's right. discipline. And so the biggest thing is doing it. Just, just do it. And to figure out in your life how you can deploy these ways. You don't have to read Professor Horner's Bible reading plan and, and try to do 10 chapters a day. Maybe all you can do is a chapter or two. That's that's fine. Maybe right now it's daunting to think like you hear Martin Luther and pray who prayed for two to three hours a day. Well, that's fine. Ten minutes consistently see consistently is still better than nothing. Yeah. Can you approve? Yes. But it's better than nothing. And same thing with fasting. Maybe you don't fast now. You want to do it. You know, you don't have to try to do it every week. Try to maybe do it a couple times a year. Be intentional. Plan it out. And that's and that's the key. It's it's being intentional. It's not living life from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. It's being intentional with your time. It's, it's developing and just another, um, you know, kind of discipline is to have the discipline of time management and, and to be it. But there's always grace. And if you fail, you can find grace. There are new mercies every day. And you don't have to be perfect, but you need to be striving in the right direction. And those are the things that will do it a little bit here and maybe taking tips from secular books like Atomic Habits um, where you set up a place and you get it ready so that when you wake up in the morning, all you have to do is go sit down and do it. You don't have to try to find all the things. You don't have to do everything that you, you prepare and you make the steps with that to make it easier. You maybe actually have a prayer closet that you can go and pray and to read and to study. These types of things is what's going to help and then ultimately you know it's going to be the the spirit of god in overcoming the temptations of the flesh and but you fail you ended a fast earlier than you wanted to there's grace it's not legalism if and to understand it, we're not doing this because we want to seek pleasure with God. We're doing this because this is what God uses to conform us into the image of his son, which he delights in. He wants to do this and to have that, to have that mindset that it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult and it's going to be burdensome at times. 
but this is what God has called us to do. The end result is more glorious than we can ever think about. And if they're right in some of the, the commentators and that the rewards in heaven are in relationship to our praise and how deeper it is in, in a sense. And then they're, they're striving there. And even to, to strive after the reward in which God gives. And that's why you, we do this. Um, the two kind of important texts is we see it. Um, physical training is good, but spiritual training is better because it prepares us to the time to come. And that when we are disciplined in what we do, we not only save ourselves, but we save others. They see God's work in our own life. Our, our Christian testimony is stronger. And those who are around us now see what true Christianity is in an embodiment. And so it's important for us to, to think about these things and to do it. But when we fail, there is grace. And just start all over again. You miss that day's reading. We'll do it the next day. It's all small steps. Small steps forward make progress. And that's what disciplines are to do. And that's their points is to help us to grow in holiness and our sanctification by the washing of the word and the renewing of our mind as God conforms us to the image of his son. Amen. Yeah, if I, if I could summarize, I would, I would add, or maybe I would just say, um, this is my two cents, is uh, to be always acting with faith, as you, as you pointed out, um, having proper motives for why you want to do it, um, which is to receive grace from God in the way that he dispenses it. And also to be more conformed to the image of his son, which is also, he does that through his means of grace, uh, which are some of the spiritual disciplines that we have talked about, as well as the corporate ones. And also, I, I, I think summarizing, it would be better, or it's best to, to do any great undertaking with consistency um, mm -hmm. than it is by fits and starts. So rather than biting off a big chunk all at once, it is better to be consistent in a small thing uh, than it is to um, be great growth and then fall off. You know what I mean? Like the, the Great Wall of China, I'm assuming, was built the same way every other wall was built, one brick at a time. And that's how we have to think about any great undertaking, um, you know, the same people that built the same, the, the wall had a proverb that was like the journey of a thousand miles begins with a step, but it doesn't, you don't want to take one step and then fall off. You don't want to take, start off sprinting, take 10,000 steps and, and then stop sprinting or, or whatever. I guess we were only taking a thousand step or thousand, Yeah. It was 10,000 steps, probably not a thousand miles. And then stop walking. You know, you want to you want to take a step, another step, another step, ten more steps, and two more steps, and then so so consistency. You achieve a lot more by consistent plotting, as some have called it, rather than sprinting and stopping. Um, so it's just consistency. So if you if you if you read one chapter a day, read it a chapter a day consistently, and you'll get through the Bible. If you read ten chapters a day read 10 chapters a day consistently and you'll get through the Bible quicker. Uh, if you, if you spend whatever amount of time journaling or you'll get a proportionate reward, but do it consistently and you still get the reward. Um, so consistency in all things is key. Diligence uh, 
the proverb was it find a man who's diligent in his work and his stand before kings and not mere men i think is diligent either way it still applies apply yourself to what you're doing over and over consistently with faith because you're going to misstep a couple times like you said and so then have enough faith to get back to taking steps and being consistent so i would just think that's probably the Consistency is the key to the Christian life. Consistency in faith for when you fail to be consistent, but then be consistent. Yeah. So that has been uh, episode number 468, Silence and Solitude plus Journaling. And until next week, God bless. <laughs>